It is 9.35. Here's the news through till 12. Don't forget your WhatsApp messages, 072-567-1567. Before we go to you, Barbara, we played She, Charles Aznavour, co-wrote that song uh, with Herbert Kretz, uh, Kretzma. Now, it's one of my favorite love songs. It's always been written in 1974. Uh, but I didn't know, and thanks to Mark, he tells me that Herbert Kretzma, OBE, co-wrote the song She with Charles Aznavour, that much I shared. Um, and he continues, I thought you might like to know that Herbie was a South African born. Uh, he was born and bred. He was a Rhodes graduate in the late 40s uh, and went to London in the 50s where he became a journalist, theatre critic and a highly honoured lyricist. I didn't realise that. His contributions inclu- included songs for Les Misrab. I know <laughs> I've messed that up. But where I come from, and in fact the majority of the people would, would, would call it Les Miserables. <laughs> Um, he's also co-written song for Les Miserables. Yeah, we love Les Miserables. I'm absolutely. <laughs> Somebody's gonna knock me for pronunciation as as well. You he, said it correctly the first time. So Les Miserables. Yeah, yeah, but na- now my people well, in Cape Flats don't understand. Yeah, Les Miserables. There we go. Les now everybody miserables. understands. <laughs> but uh, he died a few years ago at 95. Very oh. much. Uh, thank you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for that. Only South Africans that make their mark. Yeah. No, mm. it's amazing where they mm. kind of. Come out of the woodwork. Um, now, Barbara Friedman, Barb's Wire, these are the things trending, and she's going to share it with us. Yeah, the first one is, is more a story that, so we've, I follow the conversation quite a lot. It's a, a really wonderful online publication, which is driven by a lot of more academic uh, public um, articles that they then curate. And we actually republish quite a few on our websites. Um, but this one that caught my eye, written by Joseph Ogutu, who's a senior stat- statistician at the University of Hohenheim, he's talking about a new report coming out of the UN that shows migrating animals are literally in the middle of collapse, that these migrating um, animals are in decline, not about to head into decline. They are in decline. So this is all about worlds, the world's traveling animals like turtles, whales, sharks, elephants, reptiles, cats, birds, even insects. I mean, all these animals that move across areas, countries, plains, seas, and their numbers have dropped so sharply that the statistics that he actually quotes in this article, maybe go and actually have a look at this article because it is very, very, very sobering. And he talks about the UN's Convention on the Conservation of Migratory Species of Wild Animals that has a particular list of species of migratory animals and those that are in serious trouble. I think out of the 4,500-odd species in the world that are migratory, the convention lists 1,189 that are, that, are that are in danger, and then they have got another 400 that they still want to add. And I just thought it was a really like sobering thing. The report shows that nearly half, 44% of these species, are in further decline. More than one in five of the already threatened migratory species now face extinction. Wow. Nearly all, 97% of the migratory fish species on that list that were already in need of protection are now threatened with extinction. Wow. The statistics are so sobering. And he goes on to describe, you know, for example, the Serengeti Mara ecosystem, you know, where we have that whole uh, migration of zebras and and other animals on the Serengeti. I remember as a little girl, there were books about that. It was always such a... Uh, uh, what's the word, a visual, a strong visual for me. 
And, you know, they're just describing how this is a prime example of how agriculture, roads, fences, settlements have caused habitat loss, degradation and fragmentation. You know, the breaking up of habitats into many smaller patches. And it makes it so difficult with all the farmlands and everything else that's going on for animals to move across these spaces. You know, if we think back in time, I mean, you know, I love the baboons here. It's always one of my pet topics. You know, baboons many, many years ago were able to go between the, the the Cape Peninsula and the sort of Stellenbosch area. You know, a male that was um, needing to go find a new troop because, you know, it had come of age and, you know, that helps with interbreeding would make its way across the Western And not Cape. necessarily on the N1. Not, well, now, now they have to take a knapsack and their thumb and they have to hitch a ride to get to Stellenbosch to find a new troop. Yeah. So I know, I mean, we know this is what happens with urbanization. I get it. But the report is actually calling on countries to do more and just to try and protect more. Um, you know, uh, and, sure. Uh, no, it, and it, all the things that are required. It is fencing, but the fencing not is not fencing. in the sea. No, the in fencing the sea doesn't apply to the birds. Out fishing. So it means they're traditional feeding grounds because they don't they don't yeah. go for culture. The fish is the is yeah. the, the seas are in the worst plight of all. Um, and I don't know how we get it. You know, that's obviously by fishing and all those strong regulations around fishing that have to. And this also is not distant future stuff. It's happening now. And I know it's going to impact our kids and their on, kids. Especially. Correct. Yeah. People focus on, you know, these are we need to help people on the planet. Of course you do. But if you don't have the habitat in which we live and the environment is actually it's required for us to survive, for the planet to survive, where are we going to be? It's a very interesting article. So Go and check it out. The read. And, and then the second one, and I just want to give a warning on this because it is a startling video. So if you find, um, you know, these kinds of stories about someone who's going to die in an accident triggering, then maybe don't listen for the next minute. But there was a soccer game playing out in Indonesia. It was actually a friendly game between two teams. And the video which was taken of the match has now been shared widely on social media because it actually shows a freak accident of the 35-year-old soccer player being struck by lightning while playing on the field. He went down. Um, he was still alive when they rushed him to hospital, but it was later declared dead. And, I mean, very sad and very unfortunate. But when you watch the video, it is rare to see a visual of a lightning bolt coming out of the sky and zap and, and hitting someone. And Ellie said, yeah, I don't want to make light of it. I'm really not meaning to. It's just quite a remarkable sight. And it's interesting it's in a couple fate. of the articles, they were saying uh, last year, another player from Indonesia was knocked unconscious for 20 minutes after being hit by lightning during a game. And in 2004, a soccer player uh, was tra was training in Singapore at a stadium there and was hit by lightning and killed from lightning. And I was just thinking, you know, they say lightning never strikes twice and what are the chances of being hit by lightning? I think, you know, something about winning the lotto and being hit by lightning and the chances. It feels like in this area people are hit quite with lightning quite often. Yeah. Uh, I was at the Johannesburg Country Club about a month ago and an electric storm happened while I was there and they called the people off the course. Okay. These are things that you can see coming on. So you can see an electric storm. think there's something storm. about that kind of situation where you yes. might, because you're a conductor. 
Well, they and called that, the players off the course like they would at any golf course in Gauteng. They should be playing, calling the players off the football pitch. Yeah, surely when the, there's the an storm electric had started. Storm. Yeah. What do you do if there's, if, there's a, if there's lightning in the air and you're in the middle of a field? What should you do? Lie down? Well, if you're in the golf course, and uh, that could be up to eight kilometers away oh. from, from, let's say, the clubhouse, they actually create on certain go- golf courses a little safe space oh. for you to take refuge in. Uh, I think it's important. If you have the history that you are referring to, then you should take you know, the, the chances, albeit very Don't slim. You've got to take it game. seriously. Yeah. Look at the weather report. Well, it moves kind of quickly, so okay. you can resume the game in half an hour, maybe. Mm. Is it really necessary? Because this is the chances of this. No, this is, it's quite startling to watch. Thirdly, no. I, I feel I was obliged to discuss Valentine's Day because it is trending. It is trending. On the socials. Um, and I don't know about you. I don't know how much. I know you don't sit on the socials like I'm forced to do because of my job. But thanks the meme, to you. Thanks to me. The, well, let me just summarize then in one sentence. The memes, the reels, the endless Valentine's Day themed adverts from everything from chocolates to jewelry. I mean, honestly, for days it's been coming at me. And um, I thought I would mention a, an oldie that I often mention. Um, I'm not sure that I actually think it's a great idea for you psychologically, but several zoos, more and more zoos, are continuing their tradition of this love bug or name a roach tradition where you can donate money. It's all obviously to raise money for zoos and for feeding the animals, but you can name a cockroach and other animals after your ex if you haven't got over them, and it's all done around Valentine's Day, or any loved one, and you pay the money, the $10, you name your roach, and then obviously they feed, and then they feed them to the animals. There are a few other animals that you can buy in this regard. I think they're mice as well. But if you're a vegetarian, you can actually buy like a vegetable, <laughs> and it gets fed to the animal. But as my one of my colleagues said to me when I was talking about this before I came in, she said that's really not very healthy. Like, why would you need to? Why can't you? Know, that's not a good way to get over someone. You know what I mean? It's giving. It's so much effort. To go and name a roach, an insect after your ex, and then yeah. have and it I, fed I think, to an animal. I also think I roaches think get a bad rap. They, they get a bad rap. They do. You I'm were not talking, a fan. You were talking about mass extermination events know, just a short while ago. Terrible. You were talking about species being wiped out because of climate yeah, change. The roaches are, are going to survive. Always will. Always do. And I mean, you know, I do love animals, but I'm not like, I'm not a huge fan of roaches. They'll survive and even they a don't nuclear, need my if they a don't nuclear need my activism. War. Exactly. They're gonna survive with or without me. Do they really deserve eternal life? And then I just wanted to say one of our team has written an article that's on our app. Um, she is in her twenties and she just she we she wrote the best and worst of dating apps advice from a serial swiper is the headline and it's quite cute and she's just described her little experience of being on the apps and she then reviews three of the top dating apps Tinder, Bumble and Hinge pros and cons and I just thought if anyone out there on Valentine's Day is feeling inspired to jump on the dating apps go and read the article and get some tips yeah, that's a, another trend that I just cannot understand. But for now, that's uh, Bob's wire. Things trending. Barbara Friedman, Mondays through to Thursdays, 9.30, just after the